we are journalists we are kind of the the custodians of objectivity we are not tainted by what's happening in our societies we stand above it and we kind of cast judgment on what we see happening around us but i really feel like like the time for that needs to come to an end my name is christine mongai i'm a writer and journalist partly freelancing and also affiliated with the elephant which is an online publication based in nairobi podcast about journalism innovation in Africa. I am Dickens Olewe. In 2017, Christine, then a Neiman fellow at Harvard, published an article titled What Journalism Can Learn from the Blues. And by blues she means the music genre. I highly recommend it. She says in the article that journalism is in crisis. I started the interview by asking her about the status of the industry in Africa. Yeah, um so I wrote that article when I was in the US, but certainly a lot of it applies to the African context as well. Um we're talking about financial crisis, um revenue streams that are not kind of making the kind of margins they used to. We're talking about digital disruption, um and and political pressure. Um like we see in in so many African countries where journalism is really under pressure. from all these uh, forces that are kind of against it. Uh so certainly um it's a difficult time to be someone who is in any creative space not even just journalism um because of the way uh just those forces work together to kind of squeeze the space, right? Um and this is not unique to Africa really or even to the US where I you know where my mind was when I was writing this article. Um but it's something that that most of us when i was doing my fellowship year there uh most of the journalists from so many different countries were were expressing the same kind of anxieties and fears and my article was really an attempt to kind of um you know find some some hope but not 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 the kind of hope that that quickly um kind of rushes towards positivity right a positive conclusion or a silver lining but one that really grapples with with the anxiety that really stays in that space of taking the pain seriously you go on uh, to say in this article that journalism needs to learn how to suffer and how to die only through death coming to terms with your own wounds and scars can one truly learn empathy imagination and courage now there's a lot in there maybe we yeah. could start with the first part why is suffering necessary and death a good thing Oh so the the blues is always talking a lot about about pain right um the blues takes takes pain seriously and not not just as a springboard like i said to a, a quick kind of silver lining but really trying to to grapple with the question of what it means to be human um and the way i see um our journalism practice a lot is really founded in a kind of exceptionalism that because we are we are journalists we are kind of the the custodians of objectivity we are not tainted by what's happening in our societies we stand above it and we kind of cast judgment on what we see happening around us but i really feel like like the time for that needs to come to an end and we need to come to terms really with our own vulnerability that as journalists we are part of our societies um and and this basically the sins of our societies are also the sins of the media right 
Um, and that's what I meant, that we need to learn how to how to be in that kind of dark and, and painful place where we come to terms with with our own limitations as journalists, right? Our own subjectivity um, in a way that, that I find many journalists find uncomfortable be, because of this assumption that um, we stand above it all. And if I hear what you're saying is that this is not the time to constantly innovate and constantly look at how you can be relevant to what the changes uh, that are happening in the industry, but it's actually the time to stop, look back, assess, and and therefore hopefully find renewal in this process. Precisely, precisely. And for me, I think the, the, the biggest um, place where we can begin is, is to, to find the voices that we have been ignoring all along because in our view that um, their, their views are kind of suspect. I remember uh, during our year, we had, we had a journalist um, who um, asked the question, like, she was white, right? And she, she asked, how do we know when we've had enough diversity? You know, how, how do we know when it's enough? And for me, that, that was really a painful question because it was, you know, she was kind of standing above um, that society that she was in and, and wanting to adjudicate like, wow, this is enough blackness now, you know, that this is enough kind of um, narratives that are not normally in the mainstream, yeah? Um, but for me, that's, that's not how we should approach this. You know, as, as, people, as journalists, our, our job really is to, give, is, to, is to give space for people to actually speak and not, not to stand above it and kind of create quotas and, and exclude people in the name of, of you know, how much is, is enough, you know. Um, and for me, that's, that's really what I would want us to kind of reflect about, that the, the, the fix going forward is not a, a technological kind of gimmick kind of fix, right? It has more to do with who we are as, as humans, you know, what we are here for. And, and grappling with that really has to grapple with how we as the media have been complicit in, in exclusion, in oppression, in, in sanctifying um, violence, um, both physical and, and kind of psychological existential violence by excluding certain voices. Now, I'll go to the second part of the quote that I read earlier. But now that you've mentioned what obsession with focusing on, you know, this digital innovation, and I've been interviewing journalists and media entrepreneurs uh, for this podcast series, and we've been talking about mobile apps, digital strategies, and other shiny things that journalists yeah. should be doing to be relevant to their audience. Now, I guess what you're saying is that the innovation lies elsewhere. I'm really wary of, of kind of technological fixes, you know, um, because I think the problems that are facing us as humans, is, is not, it's not a technological problem. It's not an app that will solve it. It's not, it's not one small, you know, clever thing that will unlock everything. We're really grappling with deeper questions of what it, you know, what, what our lives are for and what our society tells us about our worth and our, and our humanity, you know, how we can get meaning out of, out of a world that, that apportions meaning according to, um, according to wealth, basically, and according to other things that are, that are not really what makes us human. And so I feel like as, as, as people who are grappling with these questions of, of sustainability, of kind of financial viability of this space, that our, our question really should be, should be less about the technological fixes and more about 
how we can position ourselves in a way that amplifies the humanity of everyone around us. Um, um, and and I think for us, it, it really we really have to come to terms with, with what we think the media is for. Um, if if we are a public service, then it really has to be public. You know, we have to find ways to make it work like that. Um, how do we grapple with the fact that so many of our media outlets are profit driven, and and also like very vulnerable to political pressure, especially here um, in Kenya, where I'm speaking from. Um, being being a public service really means uh, putting humans first beyond profit, beyond beyond uh, these material things and really being a space where those voices can come out. Um, and when we don't answer these questions, then we're just going down the path of, of gimmickry, basically. And for me, I, I feel like I my, my tolerance for, for those kind of conversations has really, really, really reduced recently. Um, and I'm looking for something deeper. You've touched on this, especially the last part of, uh, of, of your answer there. Now, the second part of the quote I read earlier, you say uh, it talks about empathy, imagination and courage. Yeah. What do you mean by this? I really believe that our work as journalists is not really to be the stenographers of life, where we are just recording events as they happen. But really, it's to make meaning. It's to, it's to extract meaning and to make sense of it all. I've, you know, never before in our world have we been, you know, deluged with so much information like there's so much information at the tip of our fingers but we're really starved for meaning and i think that's where um we should really focus our energies on what what do these things mean and when we begin to ask those questions then you realize that our 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 hunger basically and our thirst for meaning are not found in in surface level kind of gimmicks right it, it it's questions of of who are you as my neighbor, basically? Um, and that's the question that we are constantly, you know, grappling with as people who are telling stories about our society, about the people around us. Um, the Bible, for those of us who read it, Jesus asks a question. Um, he's asked, what does it mean? What does it mean to love your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? You know, and that those are the kind of questions to answer them. You really have to, you really have to clarify what, <laughs> what love really means, you know, and and the you know finding the courage to kind of put aside your your short term um, interests in in the interest of of a greater good. And for us as journalists, I really think that um, when we grapple with these questions, is when we'll be able to to find a better way of doing the work that we do. And I'm not saying that what we're doing now is is wrong. I just I really believe it could be better if there is more empathy and more love, more courage, uh, and less less kind of short-term thinking, profit motive-driven kind of thing. So some people will be listening to this and say that's all good, but if you look at, for example, right now the metrics for a success when it comes to digital publishing, it's all about clicks. And um, uh, the way you engage people is usually, you know, coming up with those clickbait, those kind of stories that are, that are viral and uh, that could be entertainment driven. What would you be telling somebody who would be saying, what you're suggesting is fantastic, but how do I make money if, if I take your advice? I really feel like we, we really underestimate people. And, and we regard them as, as more shallow than they actually are. I think, I, you know, for me, I, I tend to 
to try and assume that people care and people are asking difficult questions. And it's just that they're not getting the answers that they need. And sometimes the questions are, are just too big to grapple with. And then we end up kind of distracting ourselves with, with shallow content, you would say. I'm not saying that. So I think and kind of clickbait entertainment value content has its place, right? Because all of us sometimes just need a distraction. We just need something to get us through um, that situation, right? Um, but, but I don't think that we should fall into this false binary of thinking that our only options are like really deep, meaningful content that never makes money or shallow clickbait that makes money but doesn't edify anyone. Um, our options are not, are not either or. There's, we should really believe that there's something in the middle, right? And so many outlets are already showing us this, that there's, there's a demand, like people want something deeper. And we shouldn't just um, assume that, um, you know, the general public is so, is so kind of uh, unable to discern meaning that there's no point of doing the work that we do. And for a lot of us, it really would take some, some personal sacrifices and also institutional sacrifices where we say, as a matter of principle, we are not going to publish this kind of content because it doesn't fit with what we are trying to do, um, it doesn't fit with our values, and, and to trust that the audience will see what you're doing, right? And that you'll be able to, um, to sustain yourself with their support. Now, my last question for you, Christine. Um, what do you think would be the biggest thing next year in terms of media trends in Africa? If you were advising um, somebody who's really keen on, the, uh, on what's happening on the continent, where would you be telling them to pay um, attention to? Or if, is there a thing, is there a trend that you see that is something that you think will definitely peak uh, next year? Uh, so I'm, I'm again wary of making predictions and prophecies. Um, if, if there's something that the last few years has taught us is that you can miss it, right? But having said that, um, I really believe that there, there will, there's a really high demand and a deep hunger for investigative work, right? For the kind of painstaking, really meticulous um, work that gives us answers about things that are apparent to us that we see every day, but we really don't know how to decode meaning from it. Um, and so it's it's not going to be the kind of quick, glamorous stuff that that can get the clicks, like you're saying, um, quickly, but would really require um, kind of patience and sustained interest on a particular topic. I like what, what the BBC did recently on... Um, this video that had been going around in Cameroon that um, the government dismissed as fake news, but an investigation was done that kind of combined video and satellite footage and data work that really brought the truth about what had happened. Um, and, and that piece was really amazingly received. Um, and people appreciated the kind of care and meticulousness that went into it. So... I, I really see space for more, more kind of work like that. That was Kenyan journalist Christine Mungai. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Dickens Olewe.